Good job, Lou. He didn't forget. He did a good job. Oh. <laughs> he did good, Mom. He's all right. Well, good morning. We have about five minutes, so. You have 500 words. That's, That's right. We're in trouble. So we're on Ezra chapter 4. I'm going to ask you the question. I'm going to ask it every week because I think it's a good question. What did you hear this week? What did God speak to your voice, in, his voice into your life over Ezra chapter 4 this week? What did you hear? Angel? Amen. You just preached a sermon. The, the, the bulletin says pushback, but on top of mine it says Ezra 4, opposition. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great, great line. Great point. Yes. What else? What else did you hear? They hired, they hired yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was reason behind that, wasn't there? We're going to talk a little bit about that because I, I, th- I think that's interesting. Uh, on, the surface it, on the surface, the scripture looks one way. But if you understand a little bit about what's going on there, you understand a little more about what's, why they didn't accept that work or that help in the first place. What else did you hear? What's that? They didn't want their help, did they? Wasn't there a saying when you were a kid, don't look, look, don't look a gift horse in the mouth? You know what that meant? I think it had something to do with like messed up teeth, but I might be wrong. <laughs> I think. Anything else? Anything? Isn't it simpler to say that if it's free, take it? If it's free, take it. Kenny's motto of life. <laughs> <laughs> Just leave it on Sunday morning at my driveway, and Kenny will be driving by after church. It'll be all good. <laughs> You can't fight in church, okay? (laughs) Anything else stick out in this passage from this week? Kelly? They were taken forever. Well, they didn't have big equipment. It It did take a while. It was slow moving. It was slow moving, yes. Not like today when we build a McDonald's or a Dollar General in like two weeks, right? One day it's a green field, the next two weeks later you drive by and you're like, hey, I go to Dollar General. Not like that. It wasn't like that. Anything else stick out in this passage? It comes back to get you. Sometimes your history comes back to get you. Those are good. So we're in chapter four, and next week, um, complete honesty and transparency. I won't be here next week. I know that's going to be, I know. You guys are a real close second to my granddaughter, right? (laughs) But she's talking and walking, and we're going to be doing Baby Shark for a whole week straight. There. There. You're good. You won't be able to hear us. I'll try to scream a little louder, but... So Brentley will be preaching next week, and I'll be in 
soaking up the sunshine in Texas. I hope. That's the plan anyway. So we, we're in chapter 4, and we finally got to the point where we're building the new temple, right? We got the word, and then we got chance, and we moved out, and uh, remember last week we had a long trip to get there. We finally got there, and we built the, we laid the foundation, and last week people, some people were upset because it wasn't as big as it had been before, and it wasn't in all its splendor that Solomon had built the original and then there were some new people who were like, let's just do this, let's get home, let's get back to our thing. And so they started to build. And as they started to build, something interesting happened. People came to volunteer and help. These people said, listen, we've been worshiping your God, we've been giving it sacrifice to your God, and we're going to help you build it. Is there any reason why they wouldn't take that help? Why wouldn't you take the help? It's free help. Like Kelly says, they were taking forever anyway. So if we took some extra help, more many hands make light work. Why wouldn't they take that help? Does anyone know why they wouldn't? That should stick out in that passage to you. Who they were, yeah, you know who they who were they? Do you know? Well, they were they were called. The commentary says they were called mongrels. They were inbreds. They inbred into the Jewish culture. So these were people who took Jewish wives who mixed which obviously in the Old Testament, there's a lot of uh, this trying to keep purity in the Jewish faith. These were people who were sacrificing to God and any other God. And so their understanding and their idea of God wasn't the same as the Jewish faith. And that's where the problem began. The problem was these were people who were just had watered down the faith and they were just kind of bred into this, uh, into this group and they weren't the people who were to be building. So on the outside, you, you, you got this question of, why wouldn't they ask for help? Why wouldn't they take the help? Let's bring it to today for us. There are moments in our faith where we work with certain people and we don't work with other certain people. And maybe you don't even think much about that uh, in ministry. But there are very intentional times when we don't work with other groups of people. And there are intentionally times when we do work with other people. You know, our, a lot of our missionaries are connected to, not all uh, are connected to Christian organizations that they work with. Some of these organizations are actually secular organizations that they work with, um, that they combine with. But it's very, it's, it, it has to be thought through and kept track of who are we working with. Like when they were doing, um, there were different projects uh, where they connected with certain people. And sometimes we don't, as a church, connect with uh, other places. And I want to give you an example. And I'm not picking a side, I'm just, I want you to think about this. Because I want you to think about those times, maybe when we, as a church, or we as a, personally, don't, 
um, we don't jump in with someone else to do ministry. You've seen those, uh, those, paper, those signs in everybody's yard that says, take me to worship. Have you seen those signs? On the surface, they seem really good. Right? Who wouldn't want to take someone to worship? That's a good thing, making sure people get... And I'm not saying don't be involved in that group. What I'm saying is you have to ask yourself this question. Who, that is a, that's an ecumenical movement that you have to ask yourself, who is all involved in that? Not for me to pick. You have to pick yourself. But you have to ask yourself, if, if the Muslim uh, faith is involved in take me to worship... Does that change your perspective on that sign? I'm not asking for an answer. I'm asking you to think that through in your own faith. If it's not all Baptist, is that enough for you to not like that sign? Again, not asking for the answer, but asking you to think that through. And I'm asking you to think that through because a lot of times we get into these little spots and these traps where God is telling us not to be involved or to be involved and we don't listen. And we get ourselves in a spot where we don't theologically or can't theologically be connected. Um, certain things. Let me give you an example. The food pantry. Right? There's, I think, I might be wrong on the number. I think there's 13 churches involved in the food pantry. I think that's a good thing, right? The fo- and, and all those churches are Christian followers of God, uh, follow Jesus, uh, and that's, they work together in that group. And again, I say all of that stuff because I think it's important for you guys, as, as well as it is for me, to think about what is important in your faith and what are you going to stand for and what will you be connected to and what you won't be connected to. Because the Jews took a... a a stand here. They took a line. They made a line in the sand and they said, listen, we are not going to be connected with people um, who are not following the same true God that we are. And in that process, something happens, right? Pushback. There's a pushback. So they're working together. I don't know if you've ever done Samaritan's Purse work. Uh, that, that brings in a lot of ecumenical work, but there is a focus. So I always, when I'm looking at these projects and these uh, mission opportunities, and I always look and say, okay, what is their stance? Where do they land in Scripture? Do they follow this, or is this just second nature and just a nice pretty picture, and they do their own thing? You'll, you'll find out quickly that Samaritan's Purse is not a Baptist or Catholic or Methodist, uh, but their stance here solid stuff. That's just one example, right? The American Baptist ministry or mission work that we do a part of, they have a stance and we tend to follow that stance. And so I, I tell you all this stuff because I think in, a, in our own lives, we need to begin to understand our faith so that we can uh, share our faith and know where God is directing our path. Otherwise, it feels like that uh, countdown timer this morning that we're doing things that are meaningless. And I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more I realize that the time is of the essence. Time is of the essence 
to, to continue to do ministry and get rid of the junk in my life that's not ministry, that's not helping draw people to Christ, that maybe wasting my time on. Because, church, even good things we waste our time on. There are a lot of good things in our life that we waste our time on. There are those moments in our life where there will be pushback in ministry. In fact, I would be willing to bet that if you've done any ministry, you've had someone push back. You've had someone who's had a better idea. Someone who wants to adjust something to make it better. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's hard to take. And so I'll ask you these questions. I have a couple things I want to show you. Um, a couple of scriptures that stick out to me as I was thinking about how do we respond to when someone pushes back against something that we're working on. And I want to encourage you to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. To, to think about what you're going to say. To be aware of your response. To think about the person on the other side. And ask yourself this question, is this what God wants us to do? Jim King, I, I love the man to death, one time was in a deacon's meeting and said, you know what, I'm not sure that this is what I would do, but if God's in it, I want to be a part of it. And I think that's the model we need to take as people of God. And when we do make those decisions, we need to speak the truth in love. I should have made the love a lot bigger than everything else. Because we're really good at speaking the truth. I am great at speaking the truth. Just ask me. But sometimes speak it in sarcasm. Or in anger. Or frustration. Or hate. I don't always speak the truth in love. Boy, it got awful quiet in here. Sometimes I don't speak the truth in love. Sometimes I don't bite my tongue when I need to. Sometimes I don't walk away when I should. I'd be willing to bet, and I don't, I'm not a betting man, but I'd be willing to bet that someone had an argument just like this this morning on their way to church because I remember having little kids. <laughs> I remember having little kids and getting so frustrated at how we're going to make it because my goal was to make it to church 10 minutes early. And if we didn't make it 10 minutes early, we should just drive back home. That's right, you were early this morning. Did we change the clocks back? <laughs> that wasn't this week. <laughs> Sometimes there'll be some pushback. Second, roll with the criticism. Did you notice in this passage... that the Jews tried to roll with the criticism. There wasn't much they could do 
Because once, they, once these, um, these people were upset and irritated, they went after them. Like Paul said, they hired They went after them and they said, we're going to make this difficult. If you aren't going to let us be involved and you aren't going to let us into your club, is what they were thinking, we're going to make this difficult. I was reminded this week that when someone offers their two cents, I need to take it for what it's worth. Let me say that again. When someone offers their two cents, take it for what it's worth. You know how much it's worth? Two cents. Don't make that two $100 bills in your life when someone offers two cents. I'm awful at this. No, this is $200 bills, Ken. <laughs> Ken, you're going to get slapped. I don't want you to get slapped on Sunday morning. <laughs> Remember this. There will always be criticism in anything we do. There will always be someone who has something to say about something. It doesn't change. It's, it happens in ministry all the time. Well, you know, if you do it this way, more people would come. You know, if you would call these people, they would probably come to church. How come you didn't talk to these people? Don't forget about these people. Just remember, those are two cents. Don't make them something other than they are. And on the other side of that, on the other side of that, now this is an, just so you guys know, this is an ice cube. He's a rapper. It's probably not a good, but I love this. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. I say this because so many people are unaware of what they say and how they respond to people, and they say it in some Christianese way to make themselves feel better, and they are abusing someone on the other end. It's not fair, and it's not right, and it's surely not what God would have us do. And if you don't know, or you're not aware, or you're questioning whether you need to check yourself, well, then that's probably the first sign that you need to check yourself. Speak the truth in love, or bite your tongue and walk away. There's a story of someone I know who was in a church in Erie County some years ago. And she took the initiative to tell someone, another lady, that's a really nice shirt. Too bad they didn't have it in your size. In a church. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Because we forget that the things that come out of our, mind, our mouths are sometimes vile. There's a reason that Scripture talks about the tongue and taming. James tells us about taming the tongue. Because sometimes we say things before we think. Sometimes we want to be holy and we say the wrong thing. Check yourself 
Maybe it's time to turn around and walk away. That's what these people were just a, at, at that point, they became abusive, did they not? They became abusive to the Jews. They said, hey, these guys are just going to cause trouble anyway. And as soon as they get the temple up and the walls up, they're going to quit paying. And once they quit paying, oh, poor king. We're just trying to tell you as good citizens of the world, we're just going to tell you that they're going to quit paying and it's gonna, you're going to lose all the money. Do you really think that that's what they were uh, concerned about at that point? No, they were angry. They were frustrated that someone would not let them help. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Roll with the criticism. Check yourself. And stay the heck away from that wrath and anger. Finally, grow some, grow some patience, not impatience. For you flower people, grow, manage, and grow some patience. I am awful at patience. I think that's why God keeps planting more seeds of patience. <laughs> Do you realize that, as Kelly said, it took them forever to start building? Guess how long they had to wait before they could build after this incident? Does anyone know? Another two years. They sat and waited for another two years. So we're talking about from Ezra 4 to Ezra 5, two years of time where they got kicked out. Uh, Don't you build anymore, and it needs to cease and desist right now. Two years from when they got the mandate to when they could go back. This sticks in my mind because as we have tried and we have built or started back to church, there are people all over the place. There are some people who think we should have never closed. There are some people who think we shouldn't be open now. And so I ask you as a church to continue to manage your patience. That as we begin Sunday school, this will be new and there will be some challenges And we're going to trust that God's going to continue to protect us. But it's new. It's the new normal. Our goal is to begin Sunday school and then soon after begin Wednesday night. Keep that in prayer, please. Be patient. We have been patient to try to make the best decisions for each and every every moment that we're here. So that we know that we're doing the right thing. Scripture in Philippians reminds us, He who has begun a good work will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. One of the biggest things I see in ministry that people struggle with is this, patience. God, I got a plan and I want to do it yesterday. You gave me this idea and I want to do it. Uh, It needs to be done by tomorrow. I need to have this temple built. I need to be done. Patience. Ugh. It's a struggle. For those of you who aren't being patient, I got some work for you to do. If you have one of these, great. If you don't, we probably can, we might have a few. I don't know, but we also we have directories. I went through this directory this week, 
and I marked a little green dot next to every name. Every name I haven't seen since COVID. Would anyone like to take a guess how many green dots I put on this, this book? Close, Paul. That was actually high. 90. 90, I think it was 93 if I counted them all. 93 green dots in my directory. Now, if you went through, you might not know that, all 93. And if you need some that you don't have green, I have all the green dots. You can, this is, here's the thing. We, as a church, have a responsibility to encourage those 93 people who haven't come back. I have had a goal from day one. It's been this. As the shepherd of the flock, I have a responsibility to work to get 100 sheep back in this flock. I'm learning patience because I would have wanted that about the first two weeks. But I felt that God was saying, listen, you need to be patient with people who are concerned and afraid. And I said, but God, I, I don't have time for that. We need to get back to work. And it was very clear in my mind that a year was not too long of a time to be patient. And so that's been my focus. It will continue to be my focus. I pray that you will take that focus that we spend until next March at least working on encouraging people who haven't been back. Encouraging their faith, strengthening them, sending cards, giving phone calls. You don't know how important phone calls are to the people who have not come back. Reminding them that God still loves them. That Greenfield didn't forget. That we're still here. Oh, just back to that critical... The critical me says the doors are still where they were 175 years ago. But that ain't right. The loving me needs to say, I'll wait for you at the door when you're ready to come back. And so I encourage you that no matter what it takes, how long it takes to take the time and encourage someone this week, in their faith. Someone who may have sat next to you, and if you need a name, I'll give you a name. I, I'll be standing, I'll have my book, and I'll give you, I'll just work, we'll work our way right through it. See, sometimes I think we just lose sight of what's most important. We lose sight of what is most important in our life. We actually believe that we control so many things we have no control over at all. And what happens when things start to disintegrate? Or things don't go as we plan? Or that test we got back isn't what we thought it would be or isn't what we hoped? We squeeze tighter. We hold it tighter. It's like running the slime through your fingers, right? We actually believe that we can hold that slime in our hand. That's how we do life. If I hold it tighter, it'll, it'll be in there and it runs right through our fingers. At the end of the day, we have to ask ourselves this question. Who's steering the ship? Who's steering your ship? 
Is Jesus the one running the show in your life? You may remember that uh, there was a video a long time ago. Of, it was, they said uh, it, was, it was a skit guy's one, and they said they were one cheek in it. Do you remember that? That was a Pastor Dave thing a long time ago. Who's going to sit on this stool? Am I going to take over my life, or am I going to let God take care of my life? Am I going to allow Jesus to run the show, or am I going to try to run the show? Because I know this. It doesn't work very well when we're both trying to steer. One of us is pulling us one way and the other is pulling it the other way, right? And, and, and it's going like this. Who's steering your ship? I'd love to spend some time talking with you about that. I'd love this morning to share the difference that Jesus makes in your life. He makes in my life. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you this morning. We're thankful for your word. Reminded, Lord, that these Jews, as they started building, ran against opposition. They ran against these people, Lord, who wanted nothing uh, but harm to them after uh, they had dealt uh, and passed the option to have help. Lord, we're reminded that there will be people who are critical in our life Sometimes we're married to them. Sometimes we live with them. Sometimes they're our family. Sometimes they're ourselves. Sometimes the, the person who's most critical of us is us. Sometimes we don't say anything nice to ourselves. We don't remember that we are a child of the Most High. And so, Lord, I pray for anyone who feels criticized, who feels knocked down, who feels uh, challenged uh, even in, the, in being here this morning. And, Lord, I pray for anyone who, who needs to change drivers in the steering wheel, who needs to let Jesus run the show. I pray this morning, Lord, that you would help us to recognize your hand in our life that we might live with a purpose of leading others to you, of enjoying eternity from day one. In your name we pray. Amen.